everyone, and welcome to episode 167 of Fun with Cars for coverage of the Brazilian Grand Prix in Sao Paulo, Brazil. No, Sao Paulo? Yeah. Sao Paulo, Brazil. Interlagos. That means many, many lakes around the area. So many lakes. I'm Robin Warner. And I am Jim Lau. And of course, we are coming down to the very end of the Formula One season here, but not quite yet. This the is penultimate the, event. Yes, the round before the last one, the penultimate round. And uh, as we talked about, this is the first time that the constructors or driver constructor championships already clinched that the drivers con- the champion uh, could not be clinched this weekend because yes. we have double points next weekend or weekend after next in Abu Dhabi at the next race. Right. So it is uh, you know just yet another step forward towards the end, and of course uh, you know I think um, people's places are pretty well determined there. But of course at the at the front. First or second, could be Lewis Hamilton, could be Nico Rosberg. One of them will be first and one of them will be second. It's just right. a matter of which one's where. And uh, that's a, a big talking point for now. But we did have um, an interesting race weekend because it, from the forecast, looked like it was going to be wet pretty much all weekend. And it was not. Uh, it was dry pretty much all weekend. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and dry and, in fact, quite warm. Yeah. So that, I think, threw the, the teams for a little bit of a setup loop. And, uh, you know, it all, it all came together. But... Um, I guess, you know, no uh, huge surprises in qualifying. I think having this reduced field of cars of only 18 cars instead of 22 um, does, you know, makes Q1 and Q2 a little bit less interesting because it's only four cars at the bottom. And that was always the thing is every once in a while, a a Marussia would, uh, you know, get up there and do something special and, and, you know, mess up the order a little bit and whatever. But uh, with just 18 cars and, you know, four guys out in Q1 and four guys more in Q2, um, it hasn't been quite as, uh, as surprising and interesting. But... Nico Rosberg, yet again, uh, owned uh, the field this time on um, qualifying pace and, in fact, now holds the qualifying lap record at this circuit, which is due in part, of course, to a oh, new the surface. overall. Right. The ever, ever lap record. Yeah, right. quite uh, good. T- taking that from Rubens Barrichello, actually, in a V10. From 2004. Um, which is kind of cool to, uh, in defense of the new cars, new powertrain technology. To, to, it's not just that, like, oh, these cars are way slow. And oh, good, oh, but good, they're efficient. It's like these cars are really quick. And actually, uh, I think the USGP as well. Um, there was another uh, like the the speed overall speed was faster than the previous weekend or, yeah. the, or the previous yeah. year as well. So it's you know of course it's the end of the season. People uh, teams have definitely figured their way around these powertrains a lot better than they had in Australia. Um, and I think that's only going to keep moving forward. So it is cool to see uh, the times and stuff moving forward. And of course the, the surface is different, and that's that's part of it. But um, you know. Nico Rosberg now will will be the recipient of the first FIA pole trophy, which is something we talked about and kind of forgot about which, all, all season. Is it entirely meaningless or just mostly meaningless? Well, it's a trophy, but that's it. So he will get a trophy, and it will say, I think, fastest man in F1, and it's an FIA trophy saying you got more pole positions than anyone else, but... There's no points that go along with it. I don't know if there's money that goes along with it, but it hardly matters. You know, that it's not going to be a life-changing amount for Nico Rosberg, I okay, would think. Okay, so does it go straight to the bin, or is it filled with a couple of glasses of champagne then to the bin? I mean, you know what I'm saying? It seems, it seems especially in Formula 1, especially when you're dealing with the most poles, you know, that means you're probably, at least in the running for the championship, it's probably about the most shallow thing you can get of all the things you can get. It's like, he tried really hard. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's like an effort trophy almost. Well, I mean, yeah, if, if of course, there were, you know, five extra points on offer for getting this trophy, well, then Nico exactly. would be very interested in it, let alone even, you know, a point or a few points or whatever. It's like, hey, actually, if over the course of the season, you know, this, you know, you get a, a point for pole or a point for fastest or lap or something like that. he got, like, one free kick quick to the groin for Hamilton or something. You know what I mean? Like, there was something he could get out of it yeah. other than a trophy. But... 
and this, as far as we know, he gets his trophy. I and mean, of course, not yet. It'll be at the you know prize giving gala or whatever in the off season. But for now, it's just um, he will have it, and he has now clinched that trophy because he has I think eleven pole positions or whatever. And uh, anyway, um, which you know, looking back on it, you know, we kind of had Hamilton in our mind as the you know maybe more emotional and whatever. Uh, but overall, you know, really fast driver. But yeah, in terms of pole position, um, it is the case that Rosberg has out-qualified Hamilton more often than not, and uh, and everyone else in the field, of course, as well. And uh, that's, you know, good for him. Yes, I agree. And, you know, we want to talk um, in a minute a little bit more about uh, the championship, the driver's championship, the constructor's championship. Uh, you know, Mercedes, of course, did clinch that, but there is actually a lovely, um, interesting battle brewing for third in the constructors. And, well, we'll talk about how much of a battle that is. But for the race itself, it was really, more than anything for me, a real nice response from Nico Rosberg. All the momentum, all the media, everything was really going Hamilton's way. Uh, Rosberg, especially uh, culminating at Spa, really had become unpopular. You know, the ruthless German just doing anything for the championship, all those kinds of things, blah, blah, blah. This was a chance for him to respond, and he did. He had, on top of everything else, some serious pressure from Hamilton at different times and completely held up to it. And I think that deserves a lot of uh, respect, frankly. It does. And, of course, it's um, not over in the championship, which is what we're going to talk about, and certainly what everyone... Well, it's funny. Since, like, the first third of the season... You know, people and, and you, of course, have, uh, have you know pointed this out on many occasions. You know, people, oh, the championship is over. This really yes. swings the balance when there's plenty of races to go. Now, of course, there's only one race to go, but that race is worth double points. But um, how how quick people are to look at? Oh man, this was the defining move of this or that, and it's like. No, I mean, you know, the Hamilton still, of course, has a lead in the championship after today. 17 um, points in Right, in which fact. is, you know, okay, that, that means less in the context of a 50 points on offer for a win, but um, it's still a lead in the championship, so it's not like his spin, you know, handed the championship away, anything right. like that. And he also, um, just real quick, it, it actually doesn't matter for this particular year, he also would win any tiebreakers. Yeah, that's true, with, with number of... Uh, number of victories. Exactly. More than anyone. So... Yeah, when it started with Hamilton right behind Rosberg, I thought, oh, is this going to be like what happened in the USGP just last week where Hamilton got around Rosberg? Or what happened in Japan? Or what happened in Monza? You know, or, <laughs> like, we have several instances where Rosberg has, uh, you know, out-qualified Hamilton for whatever reason. Yes. And Hamilton has come out on top, um, obviously with uh, Hamilton having more wins and Rosberg having more poles. That's that's going to be the case. Um, and so I, I was thinking, okay, this is pretty likely Hamilton will find his way around. Although, of course, having just happened, you know, seven days ago, um, Rosberg was quick to point out, like, hey, I learned the lessons from the USGP and I won't let it happen again, which... I guess is like, you know, stay in front of the guy you're racing, which it seems yeah. like he would know that lesson well, already. It seemed so trite and obvious to say, but it, then he went ahead and did exactly that. He's like, okay, I don't do the thing I did last time, which whatever that thing is, maybe it was trim his toenails and you need longer toenails to have good brake bias feel. I don't know, but whatever he did differently, it worked. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, it's, uh, of course, um, it was a good battle at the front. I mean, you know, it's, it's oftentimes we'll have the, the front guys will sort of separate a little bit, and then the interesting action is back in the field. In this case, we had interesting action back in the field, and we had a good battle at the front. So it was um, 
you know, at times that they would they would get separated. You know, they they pitted pretty close to each other, one you know within a lap or two of each other each time. Um, so there wasn't a lot of uh, of you know different strategy there. But um, you know, the laps it would get down as close as multiple laps running in the sub second DRS zone. Uh, but with you know Hamilton behind Rosberg the whole time, you know, trying to keep up and trying to catch up and never quite being close enough to really get his nose in there. Um, and then at times it would, it would fall back farther. And uh, you know, of course. The, the big moment in terms of the, the outcome for today, maybe, um, was uh, Hamilton then uh, when he was out trying to push uh, before his before his pit stop, trying to make as much hay as he possibly could while not being behind Rosberg, who had just pitted. Um, had Dude, this maximum big, points for drift. Right. Big, if he had a drift, drift box on his Formula One car, that would have been a big number. Right. Uh, so, yeah, just... You know, he was on raggedy tires at that point. I mean, everyone had a lot of tire degradation. That was part of the response to the, the Russian Grand Prix, really, was, hey, okay, you want soft tires? Here's some soft tires. Yeah. Deal with it. Tires, yeah, probably was like, make the tires worse? Sure. Right. I like, mean, it, that's, we can do that. Yeah, effectively what it was. But, yeah, he had a big, lazy spin. He had, like, this little twitch on corner entry and then sorted it, but then I think was just maybe just a touch too aggressive with power and just this big lurid slide that looked cool frankly right but that lost him uh, apparently about six seconds on that sector um which actually doesn't seem like that much for as far off track as he went and how badly it could have gone uh you know <laughs> that the, there well, was the fact that it was runoff area and not gravel right and not wall and not and wall et cetera, right. et cetera. or other cars or anything like that right. so um hamilton says he is sure that that cost him the win um easy for him to say i guess in an article and why not but to think, uh, you know, it's. I don't think anything would have been guaranteed if, uh, you know, if he hadn't done that. I, I don't know if he was actually on pace to be out well clear of Rosberg, and then to think, is there any chance Rosberg could have gotten around him or whatever? You know, I think the way it all the race played out after that, Hamilton did very well to catch back up to Rosberg, and then was there within, within a second uh, at times and, and do that, but not able to get around, of course, or really get that close where it was really a tough call to say, oh, man, should he let him by or whatever. It was, he was putting pressure on, but not, not that much. You know, yeah. it wasn't, uh, they weren't side-by-side, corner after corner, like we saw with some Ferraris and like we saw with some others. Right. Um, so it was, you know, that may be a bit, a bit overstating it to say, oh, you know, oh, I'm sure I would have won if it weren't for that spin. But at the time, of course, the announcers were all, you know, going crazy. Oh, this is the move of the season, and oh, this has such huge implications, and yeah. whatever. And right away, if, I'm thinking, you can, like, if you could witness the biggest eye roll of the season, that right. was what just happened. I mean, it's just the announcers really played into the hands of this is a big deal, and it's like it's a big deal. It's a race. All the races are a big deal. And yes, we're getting close to the end. But no, you are over dramatizing this. This right, is not the end all be all. What it would have been a big deal is if this were maybe at the very beginning of the race, and then when he rejoined, he came back in seventh instead of second, and then had to, you know, claw his way back. Even right. that would be pretty doable in the Mercedes compared to the rest of the field. It's like, he's still in a Mercedes, he's still, you know, six seconds is not the end of the world um, at where he was in the race, and it was still like, okay, now it's going to be much harder for him, maybe impossible to get first, but he can still get second. He's still the lead in the championship. I mean, a big deal would be if that meant he was mathematically eliminated, and that meant Rosberg clinched the championship. That would be a big deal. This is not that. Hamilton still has a lead at that point, still has a lead now. Right. And it's like, oh, no, he's going to come second instead of first. His lead, his cushion will be slightly less. That's not a big deal. So, In fact, it, I can point out that uh, the worst possible case for uh, Lewis Hamilton is if he did, he DNF'd here and uh, Nico Rosberg won the race. Rosberg would have had the lead in the championship by one point, mm-hmm. which would have meant that they were uh, statistically – uh, had even chances of winning the championship uh, at Abu Dhabi because um, there would be 
you know, any tiebreaker would go to Hamilton and otherwise basically irrelevant that one point difference. Okay. Right. It was not the case. So Hamilton's chances are better. Still not quite ready to get into that. Just I want to talk through the race a little bit more. Sure. But that just brings up the interesting point. Brazil and as many years has been the last race of the championship and it has delivered excellent racing and beautiful events. This was not that. And I think the announcers and many other folks still kind of wanted it to be that. I mean, fair enough. To a certain extent, so did we. But it isn't. So don't turn it into something bigger than it is. Um, however, where it was a really big deal and a deserved uh, result was uh, for Felipe Massa. He was the third step on the podium. He was actually born in Brazil. I don't know if you know this. And, uh, <laughs> Little known fact. Uh, or not. And he completely owned the crowd. No one cared about Rosberg. Maybe one or two people cared about Lewis Hamilton. Right. The, um, people are, still like Ferraris, but they're so yeah. much farther down that it's like you can still like Ferrari. Be like, oh, yeah, that's cool that they're doing. But my the guy near the front The interviewee was much more interested in Lewis Hamilton's girlfriend than Lewis Hamilton. And oh, man, Nelson Piquet, that was bad. That was bad. That, that was, uh, as a quick aside, that helped put some context to the Mario Andretti interview. I'm like, okay, so maybe Mario didn't do so bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but... Uh, Felipe Massa, he drove brilliantly in qualifying. He was actually, there was a small threat for pole at one point uh, from Felipe Massa. And then on top of that, he had he was speeding in the pit lane after his first stop. Had a five-second stop-and-go penalty as a result that he, um, that he served during the second pit stop. And still managed to be best of the rest and get on the podium. A very impressive drive from uh, Mr. Massa. Right, and behind him was Jensen Button, who was... Only ever, every once in a while, I was in close battling with Alonso of all people, and to come out ahead of that is a good job, certainly. Um, but near the end of the race, was was on his own, you know, just ahead of Vettel and whatnot. But Jensen Button, for a little while, was threatening to be on the podium as well, which would have been nice. Um, the of course the the talk of the paddock and so on is that okay, is where is Jensen Button going to end up the next year? How is this all going to shake out? And will he be in F1? And but that is a big question. You know, it, it would be nice to have Jensen, you know, go out with uh, with a bit of a bang if it does turn out in you know a week after Abu Dhabi that it's like oh right no McLaren has a new drivers and Button's not one of them so. See you bye, you know, and right. see where he turns up. So, um, you know, we we hope that's not the case. But um, in case that it is, it would be nice to get him, you know, a podium result, which is always good to have. But to really, uh, you know, do that. But of course, that didn't quite pan out for Jensen. So he was fourth, uh, which is still a, a very good result, but not as good as a podium. But yeah, man, the crowd loved Massa. Um, and then I did still see, you know, quite a bit of support for Ferrari, um, just because there's always support for Ferrari and, and people do love their Ferraris. Um, but uh, yeah, and then you know, later down, you know down the order a little bit, you know, Vettel ending up fifth, um, then Alonzo Raikkonen, sixth and seventh, and right next to each other, that was cool, that was like the last quarter of the race. Right, um, and Raikkonen, for a long part during during the race, was actually ahead of Alonzo. Right, uh, and so that was actually a good battle, and it was, you know, we, every time that the two Ferraris are near each other on track, we sort of think, oh, is this that battle we've been waiting all year to see, you know, finally Alonzo right. and Raikkonen and whatever, and it, it, it was, I mean, it was, you know, for the fact that it's, you know, they end up sixth and seventh in the race, not one and two or something like that, is... Uh, it does take a little bit of the uh, weight out of it, but um, it is always cool to see two really good drivers going at it, but having that extra incentive to be careful, but still that aggressive um, of being teammates, you know, where 
it takes a lot a little bit of the ruthlessness but it does change the mental game because you know you've got the same cars and you both want to impress your bosses and of course every every driver wants to make a pass if he possibly can so um, i think it does add that little bit of dimension to it as well though when they are teammates and you know both have their own things to prove and all that so well and here's a here's a it's like conspiracy theory here uh-oh. but um I want to run this by you. I feel like what could be happening is that uh, it is still a big question mark what's going to happen with Fernando Alonso in 2015. But what is becoming more and more close to completely solidified, almost certain, is that Alonso will not be with Ferrari next year. And I feel like I wonder if because of that there's a little bit of a shift of mentality of like between our two drivers – where do we try to suit the car, suit the setup a little bit more? I mean, theoretically, each individual team suits the car to the individual driver as much as possible. But maybe the more fundamental level, like calibration of the steering, uh, calibration of the brake bias setup between the hybrid system, you know, hybrid system and actual braking, those kind of things. Maybe they could do certain things there that they have to do to both cars that suit Raikkonen better than Alonso. And so things are starting to shift a little bit more Raikkonen's way. Just a thought. Yeah, and you wonder too. I mean, every once in a while we hear about, especially, you know, think of Vettel v. Weber uh, when that was a thing. Exactly. You know, how much of a change can there be? And sometimes it's overt like that. If it's like, hey, you know, this guy prefers these brake pads, this other guy prefers different brake pads. Sorry, guys, you're going with this. Or sometimes you can split the strategy. But sometimes it's these little development decisions that, that get made and then sort of get compounded over time. And maybe the driver doesn't even really know or couldn't articulate what's different about the car but for a long time Raikkonen has been saying like you know I just I haven't been connected with this car and just the way the hybrids are and the way the powertrain is or you know whatever the feel of the car and the balance and the setup just hasn't really worked and so that that's the toughest thing is if you don't know what's wrong you just know eh, this is not right um it's it's tough so yeah it would be interesting um to see what happens next year uh, on a variety of fronts i mean we still don't know for sure if it is Vettel at Ferrari i mean that's so widely rumored that it's a bit of a surprise if that doesn't happen but if Ferrari then hires Vettel on, um, especially if it's a big multi-year deal and, and whatever, which it may, may likely be, um, then does Raikkonen still kind of get hosed? Because then he's in the last year of his contract, and if he's, you know, with his performance this year against Alonso and whatever. Well, and he's also, what, eight years older? Nine? I is mean, it that different? Yeah, it could be. Wow. Yeah, no, it is. It is. I mean, uh, I'm not exactly sure. It could be seven or eight, but, you know, Kimi Raikkonen's my age. And he's not using a wheelchair yet. Good for him on that. Um, <laughs> but he's he's mid thirties. He has thirty five. Uh, his actually his birthday was just a little while ago, October seventeenth, nineteen seventy nine. So he's older than I am by a couple of months. Um, uh, Sebastian Vettel, he's twenty seven, twenty six, somewhere in there. And you he's know, twenty seven. Yeah. Yeah. Jerk. So. It, so Younger than me, jerk. Eight years-ish difference, right? Exactly. That's a big deal. So the question, though, is does Raikkonen kind of get hosed again, though? If then, Or if his driving style happens to match up with Vettel's, which who knows, um, then maybe it's, maybe it's a step forward. But you think, okay, Ferrari's going to invest in whatever they must be paying. I mean, you know, Raikkonen's probably making some money, too. But um, whatever they must be paying Vettel to sort of sign him on and, and get that talent and marketing whole deal. Um, if then the car is really set up to Vettel's liking and then Raikkonen has to deal with it. And if it doesn't quite connect, is it then just sort of disappointing, like, oh, well, I guess that's it, and then Raikkonen's out at the end of the year? Or would he then go to Haas F1 in 26? I mean, who knows, right? There's that sort of, you know, there's enough 
question marks between this year with one more race to go and next gen, next you know March or whatever well, we're going at, let alone to 2016. And there's another element of this that actually supports the idea that Vettel's going to get uh, preferential treatment. Raikkonen has already said, I don't plan on renewing my contract after it's up, which means at the end of 2015, he doesn't want to stay with Ferrari. Right. Does he want to stay in Formula 1? Well, Probably depends we, what what's out yeah, there at that point, right? But my guess is no. My guess is him saying, okay, this is it. I wanted to get to one and a half gazillion dollars, just not one three. Now I'm at one and a half. I'm done. I'm going to go to my yacht and drink some Coke and eat this ice cream. And, and he's going to be done, which means this is kind of next year could be his lame duck season anyway, so maybe he doesn't even care that much. Who knows? Maybe he does. I could be totally wrong, and I want to be wrong or when Kimi's on he's fucking phenomenal he's freaking phenomenal and uh <laughs> and uh I want I want to see more of that I want that back right well I'm hoping instead of his lame duck season it's his YOLO season <laughs> <laughs> which is just like you know what F it you know what, what's the worst I gonna do fire me oh. and just drive just balls to the wall what and just... does what does F stand for in that uh, so you just said F it I don't I don't speak it's Finnish. It's because he's a Finnish guy, so uh, it's like, let me finish the job. <laughs> uh, right, language. Um, yeah, okay, so another another driver that might be on his lame duck season this year, in fact, is the fourth-place finisher you just mentioned, Jensen Button. More and more, you know, I've been a Jensen fan for a long time. Uh, more and more, I really hope that it's not. He has definitely turned it up. Not he's, his, his swan song here. He's been out qualifying out qualifying Magnuson fairly regular, you know, steadily these last few events and uh USGP notwithstanding his finishing results have been much stronger. He was very good in Japan. Uh fourth place here is I think matches well, okay, aside from Australia matches his best result. Um I don't remember where he finished at Sochi. That one's a little bit fuzzy for me, but I think I think give Jensen one more year. Give him one more year. Let him make the decision. He was fourth in Sochi, actually. Well, so there you go. Uh, Give him the chance to say, I'm choosing to retire. I really want to race Porsches in the WEC with my buddy Mark Weber and uh, make it rain awesome at a longer time and sip some tea in between. Or Nissans in LMP, which is a thing for next year. But don't don't Ferraris in LMP1, because that'd be cool if that happened. Don't the Brits say Nissan? Yeah, well, whatever. Well, they say, oh, lovely Nissan. You know, you should just do your English accent just like all the time on the podcast because right. it's so good. Because that will, that will only lead to good things. Yes. <laughs> like so, it did earlier today. Right. Do you have anything to say about Claire Williams, perhaps, Inside, in an English accent? No. Okay. Not a word. Mm. I already had my faux pas of the podcast. Ah. I, you know, let, let a little French out as wait it was. For, wait for Robin's YOLO do season. The, That'll be something. Do the French. Would the do the French? Would the French get insulted by pardon my French? Is that a thing? Can we? You know, is this about Jensen Button still? No, you know the term pardon my French. Of course French. I do. Why okay. are we talking about it? Well, but do the French go? Oh, merde! Why are they talking about French? Oh, Maybe. now you're swearing in French. Great. Well, you know what? I know. Okay, so faux pas number two. Can we move on? Yes, please. <laughs> Jensen Button is good. Is the point, and he should be good next year as well. He did say that he wanted to finish his career at McLaren. But I think when he said that, he meant, I want to finish the career when I want to finish my career at McLaren. <sighs> so I don't want that to happen. That's my point. Okay. Point well made, sir. Um, Nico Hulkenberg, he's going to be at Force India next year. Sergio Perez, question mark. 
Um, and, oh, here's something we haven't talked about yet. Mm-hmm. Marusha. Yes. Caterham. Oh, man. So, Caterham has been looked more dire for a while than Marusha Formula One team. And, and I'd uglier say this is, for a long time. Yeah, for sure. This is separate from the the other Caterham brands and the other Marusha car company, as it were. But this is we're just about the F1 teams. Strictly um, speaking of F1. Because saying yes. Marusha is gone forever is not really true because there is a car company, Marusha, and whatever. But, yeah. Uh, so, they have both... Uh, so. Marusha first. They're officially in administration. Like you know, they're they're done. They're, they're, the team, the, the employees have been laid off. Uh, that's that's all. Um, they're not going to come back for Abu Dhabi. I don't know what exactly that means for the FIA payment, you know, payouts and stuff. Because of course they will, in all likelihood, unless Sauber somehow is amazing in the end of the well, year. That's what um, I was going to bring up. Yeah, like they 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 earn two points in this year's championship, and you'd think that that would be very very valuable in terms of next year, which puts them ninth um, in the constructors' championship, right. which is worth tens of millions of dollars. Right, but apparently not enough tens of millions of dollars because of course anyone, any investors or partnerships or whatever you know was going on would know that and would be able to say, hey, look, we're ninth and this is very likely, you know, look at the trajectories of things, very likely to stay that way. And even with that sort of potential for lots of more money to come in um, is, is very difficult. So um, it is always sad to see an F1 team go. And uh, yeah, Marusha, especially with uh, the way, you know, basically Jules Bianchi on both accounts, um, with because he had the points, you know, finish that he did in Monaco. And then, of course, the way, you know, in, you know with his crash in Japan and uh, where he's, you know, still recovering and all that, um, that is a really sad way for the for the team to just sort of uh, finish up uh, and, and just kind of end up as it is. So, um, you know, we do feel for, uh, for the, you know, all the, just the team members, you know, everybody who's just um, probably been working their hearts out and uh, and really trying to do the best job they possibly can and 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 know, succeeding. I mean, coming making, from eleventh to making ninth, inroads, right? Yeah. It's like like it was it was finally coming together for them. Exactly. Um, so for that to end, um, just for the, the way circumstances came together, is a shame. Um, but and, however, yeah, it, it, they're but, done. And then it, you know, before we get to Canterm, yeah, there is a much more selfish thing, which is. Um, uh, Alexander Rossi, the uh, lone American with an F- FIA super license. Well, I'm not so sure about that part. But the lone American that's involved in a Formula One team, boy, he just can't catch a break. Well, it's partly that, but it's just fewer seats overall. So whether that's Rossi, whether that's all these other young drivers, all the other, you know, GP2 and GP3 successful guys and, and just everywhere else uh, and girls and, and everything, you know, like just fewer seats overall. It just makes it that much tougher for the existing drivers to try to find places. And we're starting to see that now with, you know, uh, uh, Sauber now confirming Marcus Erickson and Felipe Nasser uh, for Sauber next year, which then, of course, pushes out Gutierrez and, and Sutil. Like, and Vandergaard. Um, right. So there's, like, already, uh, you know, more more butts than seats, which has always been the case. But now, you know, this taking four seats out of the back of the grid um, is a big deal for up-and-coming drivers and whatever. Right, but... Alexander Rossi was the reserve driver at Caterham. Right. Caterham, Caterham kicked him out because they were having financial woes. He lands the seat at, Mar- at Marusha, almost gets the drive at Spa. Right. Doesn't happen right at the end. He's very uh, PC about it. Almost gets the drive in Russia. Almost gets the drive in Russia. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Then it's like, okay, well, U.S. for sure. And right. they're like, oh, we're done. Right. So- it's just the poor guy. And he's he's a skip barber driver. No, he deserves this. <laughs> He he. Uh, let me put it this way: If he raced Skip Barber during the same time I raced Skip Barber, based on the result, he actually would have been faster than me. Which means both Alexander Rossi and I are faster than Sergio Perez. That's my point. Rossi just should be in a racing seat. Right. Uh- <laughs> that's that's proof. 
Right. So so far he does not have one, and there are a couple still question marks on the uh, on the on the grid for next year. Um, Zauber but, was my highest hope, though honestly. Yeah. Toro Rosso, obviously that can't happen, and I mean Force India. Force India unlikely is. Not, I don't know if confirmed, but it uh, does show well, as Checo Perez and Hulkenberg. Hulkenberg is confirmed. Perez, I mean, well, he's got well. He Checo Mex- came on with a multi-year deal last year when he came when he did come over. So it says a multi-year. I don't know if anyone knows the details. We all know how multi-year those multi-year deals can be because right. he had a multi-year deal at McLaren as well. So I think unless something crazy happens, which is very likely actually at this point, but you know, it is very likely though that we'll see. Uh, Checo again next year in Force India. And Lotus, I mean, you know, Maldonado brings lots and lots of money. He's not going anywhere. And Grosjean's quite, quite good. I can't see them right. getting Right, so Maldonado Grosjean. is confirmed because that was a multi-year deal as well. But uh, the, the second seat at Lotus is listed TBA. So we don't know for well, sure um, what's going on there. Rossi is taller. <laughs> right. Um, and then Caterham, though. Um, the other team to go into bankruptcy at the same time. Um, that one's been an uglier and more drawn-out failure of yes. the team i mean with uh with just the change in ownership that just seems like it on on all sides hasn't hasn't happened well and, and so on um and they're really getting desperate so yeah so um marusha sort of said okay we're gonna close up shop we're, we're done we're very sorry this is this is the end and we all tried our best and it couldn't happen caterham is like just has been bleeding money and having issues and, and having staff lawsuits and all kinds of things like since mid-season. And now their last resort is to say, hey, okay, crowdfunding, which actually is kind of part of how Kumui Kobayashi got the drive at Caterham, I think, was some crowdfunding thing behind him to say, hey, if I can raise oh, however many yes, thousands right. or that's hundreds right. of thousands of dollars or whatever, then I, that can get me the drive. And I get that crowdfunding is a good signal separate from actually getting the money to accomplish something that tells you if there's interest there. Like, do yeah. people care about this enough to put even if it's, you know, a couple of bucks behind it, a couple of quid, whatever. Um, but the idea for in a, in a business like Formula One, where there are so many millions of dollars changing hands and sponsorship deals and business deals and things getting bought out, the idea of taking normal people, you know, fans' money, fans' hard-earned money um, to, you know, try to keep your company going with the best result for the company, basically so that it's sold to another, you know, group of investors or whatever, right. making some folks lots of money, but not the fans you know the if, if it's it's very different to say okay if i want to if i want to spend my 50 dollars and i want to get a you know autographed shoe from caterham or whatever then that's cool and i, I get what i want <laughs> an autographed shoe that's, yes no that's a thing they're selling like race boots and all this stuff um but <laughs> okay. but the idea of like you know trying to keep a a company not just like oh there's this new project or even just a driver i mean the, the idea of kamui kobayashi doing it is a little bit less but of this whole company going um for one race where, of course, they're not going to be able to crowdfund for every single race to say, okay, we have 20 races next year. We got to get all our crowdfunding. We need $23 million each time. Like, it's never going to work. So the whole right. thing is like, can you, can you know, you as fans float us so that we can then go get bought out or whatever, or just then we go our, we do our one more race. We probably don't score any points um, because it's not like, you know, it, it, what it takes to really turn a team around is going to be more than several million dollars and two weeks. You know? Right. So it's like... It's not really going to be a long-term successful no, that, it's deal. It's so funny. That's like, it's like a movie. It's like a movie ransom. It's yeah. like you have three days to get me five million dollars. Like, how are we going to do this? Or it's like when the and team, some crazy scheme yeah. comes up. But you know what I'm saying? It's like it's, it's like doesn't... they put together the last-minute car wash so they can you know save the library from being torn down or something. It's like <laughs> oh, score one for the good guys. And I don't know. Last-minute so, car wash. The that, idea of that is now what I hope they do. That should be car ro- car wash 
for uh, Caterham. Right, maybe a bake sale. I don't know, something like that. But anyway, it, it definitely it sort of rubs me the wrong way, and I think a lot of people are are in the same boat. Sounds like you are as well. Yes. That like if it's not going to happen, this isn't going to be the thing that turns around your company and and makes it work. I mean, I guess at at best, if they get enough pledges, and I haven't looked a while to see if they are, actually are anywhere close, but last I looked, they were not. Um, then what you could say to an investor is, hey, look, there's a lot of fans of this team, and if you you know come in with your millions of dollars, then you can see that there's lots of engaged fans. But I think by coming in with a millions with millions of dollars, you're then in a way alienating all those fans. You're like, hey, I just gave you my hundred bucks or whatever, and now now you've you've all made a whole bunch of money out of this deal, and I don't get any more money, but I get to see my my team there. If there's that many like core Caterham fans, I don't know. So right. that doesn't seem like a great way to handle it and uh it's not, not i guess it's it's too strong to say it's like insulting to the fans but it is like it's sort of it just it doesn't doesn't sit well with me i guess as a as a way of putting it um in contrast i mean i think there is a place for crowdfunding and, and like what um what brabham has been doing to sort of put together a team and and use crowdfunding as a way to um generate uh interest and uh you know see if there's a you know hey would people be excited about a brabham racing team and, and how that this is separate from f1 this isn't sports cars but um that's like you're contributing to a a bigger project and you're sort of part of the team it's a bit more like when you you know contributing to like a movie being created or something like you're working towards this goal that's not just a one-off stopgap like hey help me pay my bills this month contribute with crowdfunding like <laughs> right it's like right, uh, hey right. this is part of what is the direction that our fans want to go with this? And we're going to take their input under advisement and all that. Like that does feel different to me. And some people have been making that comparison. And I'm not, I think it's, it's a different setup than this kind of last ditch effort that, um, that the catering is doing. So anyway, as of now, it looks very, very, un- I mean, so we're not going to see Marusha um, in the F1 grid in Abu Dhabi. We are almost guaranteed not to see Caterham. Um, but uh, I guess we can see uh, where they are. On I there. think we can say uh, bold, Bold F1 prediction is that um, we're not going to see Caterham in Abu Dhabi. That's that's what I'm willing to do. I'm okay. willing to say it's not going to happen. So here it is, uh, Sunday afternoon. Crowdcube is the site. Um, they're at 45% of their target. So they've raised 1.08 million pounds with 2,300 backers towards their two and a half or 2.3 million pound target. Um, they have five days to go. And it's, let's crowdfund Caterham's return to the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix um, to power the team to go racing in Abu Dhabi and hopefully beyond, is what they, so even right there, it's like, yeah, we hopefully, maybe, but, you know, they're wow. yeah. very well admitting that that's the deal. So, yeah, if you put in uh, six pounds, you can get earplugs, Caterham-branded earplugs. Um, if you put in, at the high end, um, let's see, if you put in 10,000 pounds, you get your logo on a race car and enhanced branding. No one's gone for that yet. Um, your logo, your logo <laughs> printed on the CTO five race car, garage branding, hospitality branding, plus a professional photo of the logos on the car. Oh no, the highest one is a forty five thousand pounds, where um, you can meet the drivers and enjoy Abu Dhabi race weekend and the comfort of the team's hospitality for three days. So there's two available out of two on offer, so no one's gone for that. The uh, the highest thing that someone went for is somebody put in fifty five hundred pounds for a nose cone and uh, and got that an exclusive nose cone from the twenty twelve race car, excludes delivery. So they didn't even get free shipping. You put in five and a half thousand quid, you don't get free shipping. Oh well. So anyway, that's uh, in five days. Maybe they can raise another, uh, yeah, a million pounds plus. But at forty-five percent of uh, of crowdfunded, that's not looking excellent. So no, I agree um, with you. Either way, that's it's it's a shame that it's gone down that way. But this seems like a weird angle to uh, to take with it. I guess at this point, what have they got to lose? Uh, so, except there it is. Whew. All right, that's 
it's a sad end of the championships, um, but I think there is uh, the focus of a lot of people's interest now is at the sharp end of the champion, uh, the driver's championship, um, as that's the, the interesting part to look at. And wouldn't you know, I got busy with Excel during the race. Yes. And uh, had a little bit of fun. Okay, so here's, here's the deal. We have mathematically possible for two drivers to win the Drivers World Championship. That is Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg. Lewis Hamilton is currently 17 points in the lead um, of the championship. Okay. Abu Dhabi is a double points race event, which means... Wait, what? Why the hell is that? Because, uh, (laughs) duh, Abu Dhabi. Um, So instead of 25 points for first, 18 for second, 15 to third... 12 for 4th, 10 for 5th, 8 for 6th, 6 for 7th, 4 for 8th, 2 for 9th, and 1 for 10th. It is double all that. So 50, 36, 30, 24, 20, 16, 12, 8, 4, and 2. Did Math. I catch a niner in there? Yes. You did not. Oh, okay. Okay. So, uh, I did a little bit of math. There are 110 possible different outcomes of how this can go. Okay. This is just between the top two drivers. Now. Just between okay. the top two drivers. Lewis Hamilton can finish anywhere from first through uh, 18th, we'll say, um, which would be first through 10th plus no points. Unless, well, technically, I guess if Caterham somehow gets their additional 1.2 million pounds, then he could be 22nd. Or no, he could be 20th. 20th, yeah. Right, but um, that's not... Irrelevant, It doesn't matter whether he's 18th and or 20th. Same no possibility for Nico Rosberg. He can finish anywhere from first to 18th. Um, but those two cannot finish in the same position. So they cannot both be first. They cannot both be second and on and on. Anyway. No ties in Formula One. Here's how it works out. There are 110 different possible outcomes. Of those 110, um, there are 25 outcomes where Nico Rosberg would win the world championship. And 85 outcomes where Lewis Hamilton win the, would win the championship. Which sort of stands to reason, right? The guy who's in the lead now has a better chance. And in this case, you're saying about um, sort of a, you know, not, not, it's not two-thirds, one-third, but sort of a, what is that? It's about, more than two-thirds, right. one-third, yeah. Um, sort of a sixth, I guess. Five it's out of better, six, it's better yeah. than three-quarters. Yeah. If you think about 25 and 75. Right. Um, it's 25 we'll and 85. 85% rather than the, uh, the, 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 the whole fraction thing because that's, you know. Sure, if you want. But it's out of 110, so Got it's it. not that exactly either. Anyway. There are, um, in Jim's, in my mind, there are four most likely outcomes, okay? There's a 1-2 where Lewis Hamilton wins and Nico is second. There's a 1-2 where Nico Rosberg wins and Lewis Hamilton's in second. And there's Lewis Hamilton winning with Rosberg with a freak DNF. And uh, Nico Rosberg winning with Lewis Hamilton having a freak DNF. Um, In three out of those four outcomes... Lewis Hamilton wins the championship. There is also a slightly less likely uh, scenario, which is both Mercedes have a DNF. Lewis Hamilton, again, would win in the outcome. If Lewis Hamilton wins the race, he wins the championship. Yeah. No matter what. Right. If Lewis Hamilton finishes second... He wins the race no matter what. He, he would, wins the championship no matter what. Right. And those, and that to be honest, are probably the two most likely outcomes. Right. Is that he's either first or second. And that's including if Nico Rosberg wins the race. Now, if Lewis Hamilton finishes third and Nico wins, that's where we can see a championship shift. And uh, so basically, 
Lewis Hamilton has to finish second to win the championship, no matter what happens. And um, Nico Rosberg has to win the race to have any hope, unless Lewis Hamilton finishes sixth or worst, and then it graduates from down there. So just just to humor me, because I spent time on this spreadsheet. It's and a it, great looking spreadsheet. Thank you. Thank you, you have excelled today during oh, the race. Oh, it's so nice for you to say. Um, give me a scenario where Lewis finishes somewhere and uh, and Rosberg finishes somewhere, and I'll tell you the outcome and by how many points. Okay, so if Hamilton comes eighth, eighth, and Nico then um, comes fifth, what happens? Lewis Hamilton wins the world championship by five points. By five point man, see that's great. Yes. So, all right, come on, this is fun. Give me another one. Excel is so great. Give me another one. So, is there any? I mean, obviously, so so if the other way, I guess, to look at it in much simpler terms is if if Hamilton stays ahead. Uh, I wanted of, to do this piecemeal and awkwardly. Oh well, then <laughs> there you go. Um, so if so, there's there's no way. I mean, Hamilton has to be or, or Rosberg has to be ahead of Hamilton to. Um, you know, to to have any chance of winning because obviously Hamilton has the lead right now. Right. So I'm trying to think of if there's any if there's any oddballs in there just because of the way well, that okay, the, well, the steps and the breakdowns go. Right. Let's do it this way. So if um, if Nico Rosberg wins the race, he wins the championship. If Lewis Hamilton is third or worst, if Nico Rosberg. So okay. So that's interesting though. Actually, if we look at that particular case, so if Nico is in the lead. Um, like, say, we had today, or like we had at the first half of Austin, or, you know, all these other times Nico Rosberg has been in the lead. Because, you know, he does seem to be really switched on right now, and there's a pretty reasonable chance. I mean, pole position is either going to be Hamilton or Rosberg, in my opinion, and, you know, it's a pretty safe bet, I think. So, there's a... We never know. I think those no, Williams that's, that's got true. actually, that's actually true, got but, quite close. Okay, but as far as championship-wise, it really doesn't matter. But either way, so there's a, there's a reasonable chance. I mean, I will add just a bit... What, Williams could potentially be the spoiler here. It could be that a Williams ends up in second place or something like that. You know, right. I mean, if there's a team, they're thinking, definitely... So, so if Rosberg is in the lead, there is nothing else he can do. You know, un- like, he can't tow a Williams with him to say, oh, I need you, okay, Masa, you come behind me, and the Botas, you behind him, and keep <laughs> Hamilton. So how far back does Hamilton have to go if Rosberg wins? Um, to if, if Rosberg's in the lead, where does he need Hamilton to be to... Uh, for Rosberg to take the championship, and it's third or worse. Third or worse. So that's if, that's not if, that far back. Yeah. If if is if Rosberg wins fifty points for winning the race, and um, if uh, Lewis Hamilton comes in third, he only wins thirty. Right. So that's a twenty point difference to Rosberg. Rosberg over Hamilton. He's only seventeen behind. Right. Okay. So that's enough. So if Rosberg comes in second, Lewis Hamilton sixth or worse. Yeah, so that, that's interesting. So if if somehow, somehow, which somehow. I, I don't imagine how who would be in front of Rosberg for for long enough to really cause a problem, but one never knows. Right. Valtteri Bottas leads the race, some you know in Abu Dhabi or whatever. Or Massa. Or Massa could be riding the Brazil wave, as as they say. Maybe Nelson <laughs> Piquet is there trying to get with Nicole searching there and maybe um, it distracts so then yeah so that that of course I just, I'm so sorry I'm remembering that interview again I'm very sorry okay yeah, go ahead it's bad. Um, so yeah, if, if if somehow Rosberg is be- is in second place and behind someone other than Hamilton, which could happen, I guess somehow Vitaly Petrov gets a drive, four K to him, and then it's he's all in the lead, whatever. Um, then then yeah, the, the, it's got to be Hamilton in sixth or worse or whatever. So that's yeah, that's uh, you know, it's, I, and then, it looks pretty anyways, good. Let's looks just, pretty good for Hamilton. Let's go say. down the list real quick here, just since you bring this up. Um, if Rosberg finishes third, 
Lewis Hamilton has to be seventh or worse. So second or third isn't actually that big of a hit for him. But if Nico Rosberg finishes fourth, Lewis Hamilton has to finish ninth or worse. Okay? Okay. If if Nico Rosberg finishes fifth... That's not going to happen. If he finishes fifth, um, Lewis Hamilton has to finish tenth or worse. Okay, and finally, if for whatever reason Nico Rosberg can't get higher than sixth, doesn't matter what happens to Hamilton. Um, Hamilton could score no points. He still wins the championship. So Nico Rosberg absolutely has to be fifth or better and have something terrible happen to Hamilton, or he has to win the race and have Hamilton not be second. Or Hamilton, taking from his idol Ayrton Senna, realizes that, hey, if they both crash out and get no points, Hamilton wins. By 17. Hmm. So as long as he can crash, right. <laughs> break Rosberg's suspension, doesn't really matter what it does to his own car, that would be another way of winning the championship. Exactly right. Exactly interesting. Right. Very, so, very interesting. So thank you, as always, for tuning in to This Week in Microsoft Excel. Tune in two weeks from that now. That was cool. We... Come on, hold yes. on. Now don't make me defend Excel again. <laughs> again. Spreadsheets are good. Yeah, man, Spreadsheets no, that's, are that's good. They do good things. Interesting, uh, interesting They build ways matrices of... of data. And that is what we are looking at right here. And this matrices of data happens to Wait, be this about matrix, formulating... This matrix, come on. You cannot use singular matrices. That is no good. I will call you this out on that. This particular matrix among hey, many matrices. I apologize. Her. This matters. The point is, the way I did it is, if Hamilton wins, it's green. If Rosberg wins, it's blue. There's a lot more green than blue. And uh, that is the simple way to look at it. And um, There's a 77.2% chance, based on all the outcomes, that it will be the Hamilton. Which is higher than 75, which is perfect. Yes, very well done. Now, on to the Constructors' Championship. This gets fascinating. Mercedes is looking quite good with 651 points. That's a lot of points. That's a lot of points. Um, Red, uh, Red, Bull, uh, Red Bull Racing Renault has also secured second place. Um, 86 points is the perfect score for a team to get, and they are more than 86 points ahead of Williams Mercedes, who are in third. Now, Williams Mercedes is 44 points ahead of Ferrari, okay, for third in the Constructors' Championship. So, obviously, Ferrari is still mathematically capable, but, boy, oh, boy, you start running through the scenarios, especially the likely ones... I think Williams pretty much has third in the constructors here. Right, and, and by likely ones, you're talking about ruling out a Ferrari 1-2 and a Williams, <laughs> like, no points or whatever. I a mean, Williams 1-2 is much more likely than a Ferrari 1-2. Uh, yes, it is. Abu it, Dhabi is kind of a, quote-unquote, power circuit, and Williams seems to be the single best team at straight-line speed and aerodynamic, aerodynamic efficiency. Not necessarily downforce, but their cars are very quick in a straight line. And I don't see... I don't see how this is going to happen. I, I'm thinking it's quite likely that Williams is going to beat Ferrari in the Constructors' World Championship, and Ferrari will do no better than fourth place. Which is kind of cool for Williams, you know. Um, obviously, after the terrible run of seasons that they've had, this will be a big boost to their budget, which is always helpful, as we've just talked about Huge, in Formula because they were ninth last right. year. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about how, what a boon it would be for Marouche to be in ninth. Well... Compare that to Williams. They've won nine Constructors' Championships. Yeah. And then to be ninth last year and then go from ninth to the third. I mean, it's a big deal. Right. And then they had their, their one win two years ago or three, but that was with, with Pastor Maldonado. It was 2012, um, I think. So, anyway, you know, they, it, it would be a huge step up for Williams. 
Uh, obviously, the switch to Mercedes power has really been the right way to go. Uh, that's got to feel cool for but, but Felipe but Massa so, getting fired from Ferrari and now getting, you know, working for Williams. Now. And please, I just—it's important to me to emphasize that. Uh, yes, the Mercedes is the strongest of the engines right now, but that's also a very good Williams chassis. Right, and, and their deputy team principal leaves uh, leaves very little to be desired. <clears throat> <clears throat> right. No, she's she's English and she's lovely, and I would love to have tea with her sometime. Um, or should I say, take tea with uh, Ms. Ms. Should I ask actually with uh, Ms. or Mrs. or Miss um, Williams? Wow. Anyway, wow. Way to allow me to dig myself into a corner. Oh, that's what I'm Claire here for. Williams is a lovely person. That's all I'm trying to say. Um, now, uh, Ferrari, I would say is comfortably in the lead of uh, McLaren Mercedes. They are 49 points ahead of them. So it is a farther gap down to fifth than it is up to third. But honestly, Williams outscoring, I'm sorry, McLaren outscoring Ferrari is possible. I mean, that is exactly what happened in uh, the Brazilian Grand Prix. What just what we just saw, you know, we had uh, where, where Jensen was fourth and where did Magnussen end up? He also scored points. Sorry, I got lost on Claire Williams' Wikipedia two. page. He scored two. Jensen, 12. So that was 14 for the two of them. Oh, no, they tied because six and seven is also 14. Okay, so uh, Ferrari and McLaren scored the same number of points. Um, so I'd say fifth is also fairly secured. Then we have Force India uh, in sixth. That's unlikely to change. And then a big, big drop to seventh place, uh, STR. Eighth for Lotus and ninth for Marussia, so uh, that's what. It, so I feel like constructors is actually reasonably well set, but that means that Williams beat Ferrari, which is cool for Williams fans. Not so cool for Ferrari fans, although you know Ferrari is such a sort of a special thing in Formula One anyway that I, I don't think a lot of people are going to suddenly you know throw away their giant oversized Ferrari flags in favor of giant oversized Williams flags. I think that, uh, you know, the Ferrari lovers will still love them some Ferrari, hope to see them back at the top of the grid soon. And, you know, those that like Williams, who is, you know, is one of the dominant, you know, old powerhouses, but just as, you know, in the modern era has just been uh, the scrappy little guy to see them, you know, get back to the front of the grid is, uh, is an exciting thing. Well, Ferrari, if I'm correct, is the only team that has been in Formula One since the debut of modern Formula One as we know it, right. 1950 to present. So that's that's unique about Ferrari. And then obviously the Ferrari name is hugely potential. But um, as we discussed last podcast, there is on the business side that things are changing. So does that mean anything? Probably not, but maybe. So um, with that said, I, is, it, is it time to hear from others? I think it is. With just a week from the last show, we don't have a whole lot of feedback, uh, but we do have a few things to talk about. So um, on the uh, Facebook page, we had people replying back to uh, uh, to our previous show. Albert Palmer, Robin, thinks that your um, comments about Claire Williams are hilarious, and that's good. Um, <laughs> She's lovely. Yeah. Um, the uh, Neil Popham is, uh, is lamenting the fact that not a lot of people are putting in uh, results for the uh, – uh, for the predictions thing, because as you may recall, um, it's, a, it's sort of a semi-automated system where, where you know fans go to the predictions page and put in the results of a race. So um, I know we've only got one more race to do. Well, I guess uh, the Brazil n- numbers aren't in there yet. So if you're an early listener to the podcast, you can go and check if the Brazil results are in there. But um, the uh, you know 
you know, check in there for Abu Dhabi, I guess, uh, to, uh, to keep, uh, to keep that system working. Uh, because what's really great is if right after the race, um, people go to, uh, this is facebook.com slash FW cars, or of course there's a link on our website. Um, and you can enter in qualifying results. Um, although we don't do it right after quality because it's that the qualifying, we use actual grid position. So if there's any penalties or engine changes or anything weird, um, anyone starting for the pit lane, those kind of things, those do reflect in our grids position. So it's usually best to wait till after the race, but, um, Definitely, um, uh, as, as you know, close followers of the show that you guys are, uh, please do visit our Facebook page every once in a while. And if the predictions aren't done yet, you can actually enter the results yourself. But I think it's been a little bit weird because um, because we lost two teams. Then you know, I went in there to put in results, and it was it was like, oh well, where did the Caterhams and the Marushas go? So if his system is looking for agreement from a number of people, and it's like, oh well, those are not. So through no fault of Neil's, of course the F1 is changing and he's got to react to that. So we always, right. just a, a general thank you again to Neil Popham for it's putting been, up with the craziness that is Formula One this year. It's been such a lovely thing to have. Right. I mean, it's, it's, he, he did us a wonderful service and everyone that listens and enjoys that. It, it makes, makes everyone lie, everyone's life a lot easier and, you know, just, just that much better. Right. And, uh, and as I mentioned on the, um, on the Facebook page post as well, um, a, a quick shout out and thanks to Craig the Kilt for helping us, um, get access to last weekend's race. Um, and that was, I didn't want to, uh, you know, completely divulge the nature of, of how he helped us out. Cause it may be in breach of some terms of service somewhere, but, um, I thank you to, uh, to him and he explained what happened on the, uh, on the show. Uh, we did also post that diagram of the money flow in Formula One. It's something that just happened uh, during the week that, uh, We've talked about and has kind of been floating around in the world. You know, people generally kind of understand how this works, but to have all of it laid out in one diagram with where money comes in and how prize money gets split up and what it what it means to be ninth or tenth or eleventh in the championship and all that. So, yes. if you haven't seen that, uh, then by by all means, please do visit our Facebook page. And there's been a little bit of discussion on that as well. Um, and we were tweetering live this time uh, because this is another great race and a great time zone for us. So uh, thank you to those who took part on hashtag FWCars. Um, all, all of our all of our buddies, you know, uh, people that we've never met in real life, but uh, who we we see regularly over Twitter and on weekends. Um, Bernard A, Ziggy, Gustavo, Lord George. Um, you know all, all of all the friends. Team Meekins, he's uh, that's a blast from the past. There, he's joining us this weekend as well. Blast from the present as well, sir. That's right. Uh, and uh, and as I mentioned on the Twitter feed, a big shout out to uh, Australian fans who this was like a 3 a.m. race start or something for them. So that's yes. that's pretty brutal. And it's like Wednesday in Australia or something too. So they probably you know have to work in the morning. But um, the <laughs> I, uh, Australia, yeah, the way you guys do dates. And I'm then and then you know, so impressed. Ricardo just has this like suspension failure and has to retire. So the whole the, you know the race. For their their Aussie guy, uh, just kind of fizzled out, and that's a disappointment. So, uh, shout out to uh, to the Australians, uh, you know, trying to trying to keep up with it and uh, and doing their best to maintain. And what they got was a, kind of a uh, for their guy, not an exciting race. Although I think on the whole, an exciting race to to watch. So, um, to take part in feedback yourself, please do visit funwithcars.com. You can comment on the pages directly on the posts that we have uh, for the podcast. Um, also, we post other content, not a whole lot lately, but we're trying to expand on that. So certainly as we get uh, through to the rest of the year here, um, even beyond the Formula 1 season, there is uh, more than F1 to funwithcars.com. So please do stop by there every once in a while. And, um, and you can also see links to our Twitter feed and Facebook page directly from there. Yes. Okay, now we're off to predictions, which is starting to become a little bit stale because Mercedes has fallen into the rhythm of winning. But well, you and I were both wrong today, sir. Again, um, and, and 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 I was just going to say there is that 
little extra spice. It's just not one person in a team. It is the team fighting each other. And uh, Rosberg, not we were incorrect on both levels. Two points, if I if I do remember. Rosberg did in fact take pole position and win the race. Right. Two points for me. So the spreadsheet, Damien, the simple heuristic model, thought Rosberg was going to be on pole like last time, but that Hamilton would win the race like so last time. So he did better. He beat us. Oh my goodness. That freaking spreadsheet. I know how you love spreadsheets. Rosberg. So I don't want to say anything bad about it, but you know, eh, I'm, I'm still on Team Human. It's not the it's not the spreadsheet's fault. It's true. That's not the spreadsheet's fault. Um. But the real question is now, we've got one more race for 2014. Are you back on the ham-ham train? Or are you thinking it's going to be Ross-ham, Ross-ross? What are you... uh... Dude, I'm way too lazy to change things and push buttons on a computer. No, come on, no. I do want to say, though, real quick, this is technically a listener feedback thing, but I wanted you to give me a shout-out for listener feedback because I tweeted well this race, I think. I think I managed my. I mean, I guess you well. are a listener, and that we do listen to our own show. Right. So I guess I guess I'll, I'll what about fair me, play. Jim? So also, someone on fun underscore w underscore cars or whatever. No, fun with cars. Uh, by the name of Robin Warner has also tweeted, um, and that's exciting. So shout out to wherever he is. Thank you. In the world, he's thank you living the dream. I just need, I just need a little taste. Just need just need that that little bump. I need the Jim Lau bump. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're, so you're Hamilton all I the way. I am sticking with Hamilton Hamilton for Abu Dhabi. I do think Hamilton's going to win the world championship, and I think he's going to want to win it with Flair. Uh, I just I don't see I just don't see it going another way without some outside circumstance happening. You know what I mean? Okay. Well, I I, I I'm actually going to uh, I'm going to switch to Rosberg for pole position. I don't know why. Hamilton has has lost that edge, which he used to sort of seem to have when it was an outright battle and not weather and not weird timing or whatever, but just with his outright pace. Hamilton really used to seem to have that edge, and right now Rosberg seems to have it. The question is, will Rosberg... I, I don't know. I'm I'm actually going to change it all the way. I'm going to go Rosberg-Rosberg, which is, I guess, kind of lame because it lines up with the prediction spreadsheet. But I think, I mean, my overall prediction for first and second is that Rosberg will win, Hamilton will come second. That will be enough to clinch the championship or to win it. It's not really clinching it when it's the end. So that would be... Well, it will be clinched and won. Sort of, but yeah, anyway. Um, so I think uh, I'm actually going to think, say, Rosberg for the race, and he's going to be, yay, I won the race, and I won double points, but boo, because what I really wanted was a championship, and I didn't win that. Yes, but he got that qualifying trophy. Oh, that's, that's going to make him feel he better. He can though. throw that out. Um, the... Uh, just your predictions are your predictions, sir. But um, winner of the Osmarina Circuit, uh, Sebastian Vettel, Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton in 2011, Kimi Raikkonen in 2012 in the Lotus, Sebastian Vettel. I don't see any Rosbergs on here, my friend. Right. Well, no time like the present to uh, put a Rosberg on there, as they say. Is that what they say? That's, that's what they say. Well. All right. We have a weekend off. Um, but uh, we will, of course, be back with coverage from the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Uh, I don't know about live. We'll have to see how that pans out. Probably not. But, oh, yeah, um, that one's going to be tough. But certainly uh, we'll, have, we'll have that. But there's also plenty of other things to talk about. Uh, you know we haven't heard from uh, our beloved pit lane reporter slash photographer, Jamie Price, in a little while. Slash hopefully... gorgeous photography. Slash... Just a great-looking man. Uh, well, his photos are I didn't phenomenal. Know I his, no. his looks personally are, you know, indifferent to me. There you go. I'm just, but uh, you know. we are hoping to rectify that situation and have have some more from him and uh, some other fun things in the off season. So by all means, I should clarify: Jamie is a beautiful man, 
I'm just saying I personally don't. Wow. Why am Why I? Are you I just talking? yes. I don't, I don't know. Um, but anyway, um, so please don't unsubscribe to us as soon as the Abu Dhabi show is over and you go, oh yeah, Formula One's done. This must, must be nothing else cool coming down this podcast feed. That would be an incorrect assumption. We'll have plenty of other cool things coming. So yes. uh, by all means, uh, keep tabs on what we're doing. There's actually talks of ramping it up, not down. Ooh, yeah. So please do visit funwithcars.com. Uh, you can see links and, uh, and posts on all the fun stuff that we do, including future podcast episodes and so on. Uh, so you'll probably hear from us next in about two weeks. Till then, I am Jim Lau. And I am Robin Warner saying, oh, boy, let's get this over with. Double points. Ugh. <laughs>